You are listening to a Geek Fallout production in association with the Atomic Geeks Podcasting Network. You're listening to TechnoRound, the Geek Fallout technology news and discussion podcast where we talk about everything from mobile devices and PCs to video games and everything in between. Hello and welcome to Geek Fallout Technobabble. The, uh, this episode, we are currently discussing the miracles and amazing creations and developments that were unveiled to us at Consumer Electronics Show, or CES, for this year. I am your host, Mike King. Joining me, as, as always, is my co-host and producer, Rich. Hey, hey, how's it going? Can't and- wait to uh, get into some crazy tech talk today. And we have a special guest. No, we don't. It's to Chris. Hi. How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do have to mention one thing. Uh, About two weeks ago, Rich made a big deal over on Geek Fallout of kicking me off this show and not inviting me back again as a guest. Since then, I've been on like four episodes. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Way to stick by your guns. Yeah, I'm a pushover. Oh, uh, you're harder to get rid of than herpes. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> okay, so I think I'll uh, I'll kick off the show with uh, with my discovery, and I'll come up I'll come out swinging. I saw uh, Rich. You mentioned before a uh, a washer or a dryer that will uh, you know send you alerts, deal with your phone and all that. Yeah, now, it's, uh, smart smart washers or dryers. Yes, well, you didn't mention that there's something called the Marathon Laundry Machine, and it's both. It is a washer and a dryer, and it takes, and it, but it is not a combo washer-dryer. It takes up the space of just one washer that drains and then dries the same load. So instead of having to swap out machines or anything, you can just throw in a load, and you can even program it when to do it off of peak hours. So you can just throw the load in in the morning, and then if you're, like, working or going out to a party or something, instead of being like, oh, shit, i got to remember the laundry when I go home, at 7 o'clock, when the hydro wattage gets cheaper, it'll start immediately washing, rinsing, and then drying everything. So you just got to come home and hang it all up. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And it says uh, it's 27 inches wide, roughly the same as a washer, but the same capacity. It has a 10-inch touchscreen that connects to your Wi-Fi. And once you do that, it will start to learn your habits. If you regularly wash and dry your clothes on Wednesdays and you always use cold water, it will remember your settings. It will even learn what detergent you use and adjust its water amount and temperature to the optimal settings based on the load. And uh, now you would imagine that something, when, when you're getting convenience, you're going to be paying out the asshole, right? But the point, but the thing is, is that it is set to enter the market in the summer of this year. And the marathon will only cost $1,200. That's the cost of a regular washer or dryer. This is both. Wow. It takes up the same space and it takes up the same cost. So laundry, like, and I checked out their website. I suggest you do too because they're calling, they're saying what they're doing is just like Tesla Motors did with automotive manufacturing. We're bringing Silicon Valley innovation to big appliances. And uh, the question that they ask on their website is, you don't get a, you don't have a dishwasher and a dish dryer, so why should doing laundry require two machines? And uh, you can check out their website, marathonlaundry.com. You can pre-order these things. Again, $1,200 US might be a little more Canadian, and the shipping and handling might, uh, might sodomize you, but I guess you can just drive across the border and have someone uh, order it there and pick it up. Good luck declaring that at customs. Yeah. You got anything to declare? Yeah, I'm saving a bundle of it. It's not on my car insurance. It's on my laundry. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, yeah, that's super awesome. That would be that would be really useful for sure. Yeah. So the marathon laundry machine. Thoughts? I love it. Really, not much to it. I mean, it's yeah. a great idea, and seems like it'd be really handy for people with uh, their cramped for space and have really small apartments. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes, if you live in an apartment, instead of having having to use that skeezy room where everyone shares everything and, you know, God knows what's in the lint trap and, you know, now you can actually have enough space to do your stuff in your apartment. 
So, yep, I could read more on the website, but I'll let uh, you and the listeners get to that. Uh, the thought of an internet-connected uh, washing machine, like you think, like, why would it need that? But again, that it can uh, tell you, like, on your phone, what's it using, or, you know, if there's an error, or... And the fact that it even will uh, incorporate the same uh, style as Tesla by connecting to your Wi-Fi and doing uh, free silent updates, you know, just in case it's just like, oh, shit, we, we're going to set silk dresses on fire. Boom. Now they fix that. So now Chris can get all gussied up for the ball and not have to worry. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Chris, when you're not uh, exploring your wardrobe choices, what other amazing devices are uh, getting you getting you all happy? Well, before I get to that, I'm going to go into something that's more mundane and awesome at the same time. Mm. Um, the reason why it's mundane is we already have this technology in our houses, and it's widely used, and it's inevitable. However, it oh, was... Uh, no, not this time around. <laughs> um, it was announced that, yes, we are moving to a new system for Wi-Fi. Um, they are switching over to what is known as Halo, uh, 802.11ah. It's a new standard that features uh, a, a few different benefits uh, compared to current Wi-Fi. The new standard um, allows wireless signals to reach almost twice as far, and it's going to help kill dead spots within your house or out in your yard. Um, it'll help in areas that have low connectivity. It will help people with smartwatches and things like that connect while they're outside the houses. And it's just going to completely improve our Wi-Fi experience. And it's all using the same technology we, we already have. Expected rollout and conversion is going to start taking place this spring. And it's already done deal. All the major you know, providers are on board and things are just going to slowly start switching around and everybody's going to have better Wi-Fi. Now the question is, when can we get that in Darth Vader's head? <laughs> what is this that a... Depends. Uh, How new is your Darth Vader's head? Well, uh, it's not my Darth Vader head. It's the one that's in uh, Sokovia or whatever uh, whatever country Rich was talking about. Sokovia? Oh, I kind no, of that's, blocked that, him that, that, That's the fake European country in the Avengers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I tend to uh, block Rich out, so I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, he, he mentioned a couple of episodes. I think it was the Ukraine or something. They uh, they had to... Uh, oh, yes. Of, instead of... Yep. Oh, another fake country. <laughs> yeah, they turned it into Darth Vader and put Wi-Fi in his head. That's yeah. right. They had the Wi-Fi right. hot, free Wi-Fi hotspot. That's right. It will be upgraded. I'll, virtually everything will so be eventually. So is this a firmware? Is that what you said um, it is? Like how... So like they're going to be able to upgrade my cell phone? That I already own, well, or do I have to get no. a new one? Or is this new hardware? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Um, so, is it a machine, or is it a, a software thing? From the looks of it, it's a combination of both. I imagine a lot of newer... Uh, your receiver would update automatically. However, whatever's transmitting it, like your modem, things like that, would have to be updated and upgraded. But most people aren't don't own their own modem at this point. Most Rent people them. are renting, yeah. and it will be provided to them eventually. And what uh, what's the new standard this time? Is it like well, the five point eight was the replacement for the two point four gigahertz. Now is this operating on a completely different thing, or is it just like a ten gigahertz thing? I'm trying to look at specs. All it says is eight hundred two point one one ah. L-A-H. And, it, and it uses the 900 megahertz band. A-H, though, that's crazy because AC just came out like a year or two ago and they were touting that as the new big thing. I think that promised up to a gigabyte over Wi-Fi, like a gigabyte per second or something like that, was its theoretical maximum. Oh, so, Okay, the new uh, Halo will uh, Wi-Fi standard will also utilize 2.4 and 5 gigahertz bands. Hmm. So the 802.11ah devices will be interoperable with current Wi-Fi equipment. 
Now I got the door song stuck in my head. What? Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your specs? <laughs> so, but if you have a device that has, say, you know, Wi-Fi N, right? Like 802.11N, and you upgrade your router to 8H, yes, you will you will theoretically get better uh, N, but your phone won't be able to accept the new version. It'll just be pumping out all the old versions at the same time. So to fully take advantage of something like this, you still have to get the new hardware on you, like the piece of hardware that you're using to connect to that router, being your tablet, your cell phone, your yeah. watch, your you know uh, computer, TV, whatever it is. You know, so it oh. still is a two-stage process, but that's pretty amazing. Well, on the plus side, if you have, if you take like your heaviest devices and have them use this new fast protocol, then that leaves the older protocol more free for the uh, for the less updatable hardware that's, devices. So it's still that's it, true. it still should increase its more bandwidth on that on that old wave because yeah. everything has been offloaded onto the new wave or the new uh, frequency. Welcome that's, to uh, the new wave, the new wave. Hey, you need like a, a karaoke podcast next or something. But, All right. Well, uh, I've got uh, something pretty cool uh, for any gamers out there. Anybody, uh, do you guys play any PC games? You're PC gamers at all? I Yahtzee. play old Nintendo games on my Game Boy. I don't. Uh, computer games. I want to get StarCraft uh, Legacy of the Void, but... Uh, that's about it. I don't uh, usually get Steam games, or I stick to my consoles. Okay, and Chris? Uh, mostly Yahtzee. Okay, so <laughs> no hardcore gamers here. Well, I, I would, but uh, I'm multitasking too often, so uh, any gaming I do is not on the PC at this point. Yahtzee doesn't even count as softcore. Come on. That's like no core. Well, for the uh, experienced uh, PC gamer... Which, uh, isn't, which isn't here. Uh, yeah, exactly. The company Razer, uh, I don't know if either of you guys have heard of Razer. I've heard of Scarp, but I think we already talked about that. Yeah, so this is a gaming PC manufacturer, and they have come out with something called the Razer Blade Stealth. Now, this is an Ultrabook, which you wouldn't normally um, think of when you think of gaming company or gaming PC. So basically, this is a um, a extremely small. It's kind of like what uh, uh, the MacBook Air is for PCs in a way. Uh, it's very thin, very small, and has uh, very few outputs, no optical drives or anything like that. So this is a 12.5 inch uh, screen, a 4K screen, a 5.2 inch thin design, weighing 2.75 pounds, has eight gigs of I think dual or uh, tri-layer uh, memory uh, and a Skylink i7 CPU and all SSD memory. So basically, this is one hell of a little computer, right? And at 12.5 inches, it may not be amazing for gaming at the, the size of it, but at least you've got a 4K screen, so every little detail is going to be amazing. Now, this in itself is pretty cool because, yes, this computer could probably run some pretty newish games, but the real uh, innovation comes in here when you connect the Razer Blade Stealth to the new Razer Core unit. This is a separate unit, uh, probably uh, about the size of two um, 3.5 inch external hard drives, maybe, yeah, probably about two of them, I would say. It's about uh, three inches tall, maybe an inch or two wide by four or five inches deep. Uh, and basically, this handles, this unit, once connected, handles all of the data and CPU processes for the gaming. When you connect the Razer Blade Stealth to the Razer Core, it can accept a full-length dual-wide PCI Express card made by either NVIDIA or AMD. So you can connect the latest GeForce uh video card into this thing and get your 16, uh, 24, 28, 32, whatever uh, amount of gigabytes they have on the newest memory card right now that you need to be able to play, say, I don't know, Fallout 4. Uh, and you can hook this up to your Ultrabook and power your Ultrabook and upgrade its graphics with only one cord using USB-C with Thunderbolt 3 technology, which is, enables transfers up to 40 gigabytes per second. Wow. 
I uh, st- I thought I was going to be impressive with uh, with my uh, with my laptop, but uh, and it gets better. Ooh, do tell. So this laptop is available or will be available for one thousand, roughly one thousand dollars American. That's just the laptop, but the core unit. Uh, I don't believe they released a price on it, but Razer even said itself because it is using. Uh, USB-C and Thunderbolt 3 technology, they are actually going to make this unit available for other companies to use. So say a new Samsung product would be able to connect to this and take advantage of an external video card. Um, That is just amazing if another company actually takes them up on that and builds in whatever uh, coding or hardware, whatever they need to be able to connect to this thing. That would be amazing for everybody and and not just gamers alone because you would be able to do better video editing on something on like a netbook or sorry not a netbook a uh, an ultrabook or even a laptop if they enabled the compatibility so that's really amazing i uh i thought mine was impressive it's just a uh the lenovo x1 yoga which is a uh a laptop with an oled display Nice. 1440p OLED display will add $200 to the X1 Yoga's base price of $1450, and it will reduce battery life. The OLED screen, because it has lower power consumption, will reduce the battery life, to, or higher power consumption will reduce the battery life to some degree, possibly reducing its endurance from 11 to 9 hours. And uh, aside from its display, the X1 doesn't stand out from a glance. But that may be a good thing because it's modeled off the X1 Carbon, an excellent enterprise ultrabook. That means it shares the X1's dimensions, keyboard, touchpads, and shares three USB 3 ports. And it has a 6th gen Intel Core processor, up to 16 gigs of RAM, and 1 terabyte of PCIe NVMe storage. Nice. Uh, I only know about solid state drive storage as the newest thing, so this sounds uh, new to me. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Is this uh, so? Being a a yoga, this is one of the ones that can bend and fold and turn in on itself, right? Uh, yeah, it's got uh, it's got pictures on the uh, Digital Trends website where I where I'm reading this from, uh, and it says like most yoga two in ones, it uses a three sixty degree hinge, which means the bottom half is always part of the package. It does offer a lift and lock keyboard which retracts the keys to keep them out of the way when the system is folded back into a tablet. But the fact remains this is a 2.8 pound notebook that's a bit less than 7 tenths of an inch thick. It's much larger than any tablet, even an iPad Pro. And uh, it's got the 1450 starting price, does not get you the OLED display, or even the one, the 1440 IPS panel. Optioning the Yoga, as most users desire, will shoot the price up to 2000 but uh, Aside from the fact that it's pretty expensive and heavy, it's got the excellent OLED display, high-end hardware, a great keyboard and touchpad, and it even has a track pointer. So, a track pointer and a touchpad? Yeah. Did you like? It's got the nipple. I'd imagine. That's awesome. I remember the nipple. Oh yeah, I'm looking. At I it right love now. the the IBM nipple. That big red nipple in the home board. Oh, and it looks that's like it's hilarious. Even got a, uh, a stylus. Wow. Hmm. So. Oh, Rich will be all in then. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's finally got something he can use. <laughs> Nobody needs to know about my affinity for styluses. Styli. Styly. <laughs> okay, so that's my uh that's my portable uh device. Now uh Chris, what else uh got your attention at uh, CES this year? Okay, well continuing with continuing with my mundane announcements. Oculus Rift. Um not a whole lot new here. I mean, it's not like they came up with a new system or anything. However, they do finally have a price point and release date. Huh. Everything is going to be coming out now. It'll be uh, marketed at $600 US. And its first deliveries are going to be uh, coming out in March. But that allotment's already been sold out. So the new listing currently says expected ship date is in April 2016. So it's coming very, very soon. And so are all the people who are definitely going to be using it for porn. Exactly. Well, speaking of the Oculus Rift, 
actually my next item can use the Oculus Rift. So this is uh, by a company called Virtuix, and it's called the Omni. Now, this was originally a Kickstarter project uh, from, I believe, a little over a year and a half ago, and they have now finally started releasing the product. Uh, So basically, this is a virtual reality running board. Have either of you guys read Ready Player One? Yes. No. Okay. So, Chris, you, you'll, you'll kind of uh, get where this is from. If, if anybody in our audience has ever read Ready Player One, and if you haven't, I highly suggest you do, because it is one of the best books that I have read in a long time as far as uh, fun nostalgia and just uh, just a really fun little silly book to read that just reminds you of better years and better times. <laughs> but uh, there's a point in, in the book where he basically is in... Uh, this virtual reality world that is in the book and he has a gaming rig quote unquote but basically what it is is it's almost like a 360 degree treadmill that you stand on so that you can walk all around this world in real time like you have to walk your character walks when you walk and basically this is a realized version of that so it's if you picture maybe like uh, an upside down version of Captain America's shield sort of thing like it's kind of like a inverted dome or whatever. Chris, is, am I describing this properly? Inverted? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's inverted. So you're kind of like in this little dip, right? And what you have to do is you put on these special shoes, which kind of resemble bowling ball shoes. And because of the surface of the uh, inverted surface and the uh, the material of the shoes, it makes them extremely slippery. Uh, or at least to a certain extent. Then you put a Bluetooth tracking module on the uh, running shoes and it tracks you in 3D space. You strap yourself in to a piece that kind of hovers around where your hips would be. You strap yourself in all around and you can run in full 360 degrees, run, walk, trot, however you want, full 360 degrees while you're playing your virtual reality games. So, um, awesome. Is this confirmed to uh, work with the Oculus Rift? Yes, actually, it's confirmed to work with the Oculus Rift, as well as, quote, many other virtual reality devices, including Google Cardboard. So basically, not only can this be used for gaming, but if you think about it, something like this would actually be extremely useful in the fields of, say, oh, I don't know, realty, where you are thinking about buying a new house so you just go to the real estate office down the street and they put on an Oculus Rift and they strap you into this thing and they take you on a literal virtual virtual or sorry, virtual reality tour of the house that you may or may not buy that has been photographed with, uh, say, a new 360 degree uh, GoPro camera or whatever. You'll be able to do that or for military training, maybe. Chris, I'm sure you can appreciate a, a something like that. I probably could, but right now I'm distracted because I'm thinking of uh, a single a single gentleman like Mike here, and how easy it might be just to put those uh, Bluetooth devices in other locations. And again, now you've got your porn. Oh yeah, because you know you've got you know that the whole like now you can instead of just being the guy sitting in the chair, now you can be the guy that's like got the girl sliding around. So like this really elevates the porn experience. How? It's just a walking surface. Exactly. All you can do is walk. You can slide around prone. (laughs) Well, you can attach a you can attach a flashlight to the uh, to the uh, end of the rig. Okay, stop. Nope, just stop right there. (laughs) Done. Nope. Editor's note. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Jesus. I, I don't know. I think something like this would be is just really cool and is kind of the next step in the virtual reality area. Um, I personally, if I had uh, $799 for this device, I would definitely buy one right after I bought my $600 Oculus Rift. And then you can take a walk through the job you're going to need to cover all that. Yeah, exactly. What, what, what places are hiring right now? I'm going to check it on my Oculus Rift. But like, think Oculus about it, Rift. though. You could you could uh, go on a virtual trip of of the world. You could walk through the the ancient ruins in Rome. You could walk up 
or the steps of the ancient pyramids. So you could swimming through the wreck of the Titanic. Uh, walking through it, I guess, because no, you can, you can like, only walk. But you got the controller in your hand, unless they do. Um, like connect, they added to the connect. Yeah. So when you do gestures with your hands. But nonetheless, I'm saying you you would be able to take tours of these places of anywhere all over the world. You know, this could be quite the experience for a lot of people who aren't able to travel, uh, or you know, thinking about traveling. It's our very first step towards total recall. Who needs to go on a vacation when you can just experience it? Exactly. <laughs> See, so. ironically, I've got more faith in this technology here than in the Oculus Rift itself. Because this is more of a uh, standard hardware add-on. You know, once they get everything functioning, it should remain fairly usable. Unless there's some sort of fatal flaw inside the technology, which I doubt. I'd imagine that's going to be well-tested. Whereas the Oculus Rift is a Generation 1 uh, platform for its type, and those are where flaws tend to happen and upgrades come quickly. Well, not only that, the, but the, at least this, this, work, will probably, this will work with everything. Exactly. Supposedly. It'll probably you know, be able to um, move along to the next generation yeah. Rift or HTC or whatever uh, unit you have going on. Yeah, exactly. Mike, what do you got? Well... I don't, uh, I don't own a car, and I won't have to now that GM is investing $500 million into Lyft, L-Y-F-T, to develop self-driving cars. So if you like the, uh, the social aspect of Uber, but hate the social part of it, but you just want the damn car, now you can get the self-driving car to pick you up, and you don't have to make small talk with anybody. It's uh, yeah, Uber without people. Uh... Yep, says General Motors, one of the world's largest car manufacturers, and Lyft, one of the biggest ride-hailing companies, are teaming up to develop driverless cars. It's a significant partnership that could fundamentally change the way we get around. Now, I imagine if you uh, like, if you just need this thing for like shopping or occasionally traveling, you could probably get a, a subscription service, so you get like discounted uh, or a monthly pass or something. So whenever you need a car, you just say, you know, I need the car. Uh, yeah, it says that the two companies will be working together not only in driverless cars, but driverless cars that will operate as for hire, and uh, which puts GM and Lyft on a level playing field with Uber, which is developing its own autonomous technology, as well as Google and Ford, which reportedly will announce a similar partnership during CES. Now, uh, CES doesn't mention too much besides the, uh, the idea, but if you follow up at the Detroit Auto Show, that's when... Uh, Ford and GM are really going to uh, give out the specs on these uh, driverless cars that will just pick you up, bring you home, and then just take off. So, you know, if you live in an apartment or you just don't want a car or the insurance or, you know, trying to get a booty call after the buses are running, then, you know, now you don't have to deal with anybody or have to be like, hey, can I get a ride? Just tell them, like, hey, I need a ride. And then, like, Kit shows up and just like, where to, Michael? Why do why do you have such a thing about cars? Why do you hate cars so much? Uh, expensive, you know, insurance, useful. <laughs> yeah, well, expensive. I don't have a driver's license because I tried driving a few times and it just. Uh, I, I'm better. Like it, this podcast is proof that I'm really good at focusing on one thing at a time. If there's like shit going on around me, then I'm like too hyper aware, and then I become distracted and lose focus, and then I then I start failing critically everywhere around me and with driving you have to like control what you're doing as well as keep an eye on what everyone else is doing and uh, it's a bit too uh too much too many distractions for me but i am going to try to get some lessons this year just in case like like someone needs me to pick up something so but i may not have to if this thing becomes more uh prolific than anytime i need a car or something and boom get isn't it. isn't that basically the same as um uber but you're taking the driver out like I said, so why don't you Uber just use Uber me. now? Uh, mainly because I have a bus pass and I don't really do anything after the buses are running. So I haven't uh, needed it. But, you know, like if I'm talking with a girl and she's like, hey, come on. I'd be like, usually I have to be like, shit, do you have a car? No. Frick. And then, <laughs> then and then poor Mikey goes without. But, uh, <laughs> but thanks to Lyft, Mikey can get some anytime. So I fully endorse this. I'm pretty sure there's other benefits, too. But, you know. My, my, my booty call accessibility is uh, my primary 
concern for this. What are your well, thoughts? Handy, but you know, personally, if it's going to be picking me up, I would like a robotic cab driver. You want a Johnny Cab? Yes. Damn right. <laughs> you said Total Recall. <laughs> it had many good ideas. Um, Something you can rip out when you're mad. <laughs> again, this is going to be another issue. Um, beyond the fact that you've got driverless cars again, and obviously they're working towards this anyway, your next issue on top of that will be certain liability situations with hiring out for passengers, and you're going to have some big problems with uh, potential injuries and insurance. Uh, if, what happens if somebody hurts themselves getting in or out of the car? Um, what happens if there's somebody that's disabled and there's accessibility issues? That's sort of the same problem that Uber is going through versus traditional taxi cab companies already. So it'll be almost interesting to see how that works out because this might be one of those cases where uh, the older technology, basically the manned Uber, could actually pave the way for the unmanned, uh, more technologically superior option. Well, you can just get a, uh, you can just put the same technology in a van. That should uh, deal with the accessibility issues. Just get a van with a ramp and then like the... Yes, but a lot of the uh, people that might need it might not be able to, to operate that technology themselves. So it might be useful for everybody. There might be exceptions. If you can get access to the lift using the app or whatever, then I guess it's expecting you to follow up on being able to get your butt around. True. And if not, then you probably have a caretaker who can uh, look after who can look after that for you. So uh, fair enough. Oh. I'm going to jump in in front of him because, well, as nice it is as it is to have driverless cars, some people still like to drive themselves. And if here, here. you're fed up with these uppity people and their fancy Teslas, there's an alternative. Oh, oh I think I know what you're talking about. I think about. I know what you're going to yeah. talk about. That's my that, topic. That was my last topic. The Chinese-backed Faraday future. I was talking about zero one concept car. Nope. Uh, no, I I bypassed that. I checked it out, but I wanted to go for a real car, so I looked at the Chevy Bolt. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Uh, I'll, I'll get the to, affordable Tesla. I'll get to that after because even though this is just a concept car and it's never really going to be made. I mean, it's a great sports car, over a thousand horsepower, can accelerate to zero to sixty in less than three seconds. And can do over 200 miles per hour. The impressive part isn't that. It's more they have a working chassis right now. And everything is going to be modular. And they're going to use this working chassis for all of their future cars. And they're just going to change weight distribution and battery placement. So they're going to be using the same chassis for every vehicle, and now Tesla will have an active competitor making your standard sedans and vans and other cheaper vehicles yeah, that are a little it, more realistic for the road. Plus, it'll make them easier to repair. But like, if it's exactly an, if it's an imaginary car, why don't you just tell me it also flies? Well, <laughs> at 200 miles per hour, you hit the right bump, it will. <laughs> Okay, so the uh, again, like boasting about the uh, the concept car is just like, well, here's what we would want it to do. But I like to live in the real world most of the time. So, uh, did you uh, do any research on the Chevy Bolt, or is that Rich's? Uh... Oh no, I leave the boring stuff to him. <laughs> okay, Rich. Now you told me before about the Chevy Bolt. Which was the hybrid car? And no, the I, Volt. No, you with a V. Yes, you mentioned the Volt before, and that was a. Uh, you said it, like that was a hybrid, and I told you like it just doesn't make sense with Teslas coming out. That you know, it, like we should go gasless, not you know less gas. And uh, well, the prayers were answered because now they brought out the Chevy Bolt. I think it's your turn, but the, did you uh, research this topic, or are you leaving that to me? Go for it, buddy. Okay. 
Well, the Chevy Bolt is here and it's one remarkable ride. After teasing us last week at CES, General Motors is unveiling the car this morning at the North American International Auto Show with a full rundown of the specs. Now, it's hard to overstate the importance of this to General Motors and the market for electric driving in general. The Bolt is the first electric car with a range of 200 miles and a price under 30,000, but that's after a 7,500 federal tax credit. So, you know, I guess Canadians aren't going to be so lucky. It's going to be more than 30,000 adjusted for inflation and you uh, probably got that extra 7500 to up convert you can get uh, you can get um those some of the same subsidies here in Canada as well depending on depending on where you are yeah but do they just exist as subsidies at different rates or are they the same percentage i don't believe it's necessarily the same amount it's not a percentage it's an amount there's different subsidies that you can get for different amounts depending on what state you live in as well as uh i guess federal or like full the yeah federal or something like that but um here in canada i believe you can get upwards of five thousand or six thousand off of it um so but that's at the end of your tax return i believe is how these work it's to, it's a rebate that you get to claim it on your taxes and then they take seventy five hundred dollars off your taxes or something now, this says that the Bolt, that's the electric car that is going to be so amazing or finally decent competition for Tesla, it's powered by a 60 kilowatt hour battery, which uses a noticeably improved cell developed by LG Chem that retains energy capacity well when it's well when it gets hot. This car was designed from scratch to fit the 1,000 pound battery pack and runs a motor that produces 144 kilowatts, the equivalent of 200 horsepower. With a 240 volt setup, you can charge the Bolt at home in about nine hours. So that's 25 miles per hour, about one half of what you can get with a Model S. That's the uh, Tesla models. But the 200 mile range means that you can go days at a time without plugging it in. Now, it's no sports car. With a zero to 60 MPH under seven seconds, it's quick enough. Even if it would get smoked by a Tesla in a drag race. The 17 it's faster than my Prius. Yeah, the 17 inch Michelin tires aren't the best for traction but their low rolling resistance improves mileage. And uh, despite a bevy of cool features, it isn't a crazy futuristic vehicle either. It's a Chevy, it's practical, it's comfortable, and uh, yet there's more to read. Oh, well, I haven't uh, done all that, but it's out there so you can uh, look up more specs on the Chevy Bolt. If you thought Teslas are great, I wish they were affordable, well, now they are. Are uh, either of you guys uh, thinking about uh, getting your hands on this i definitely would for sure i mean i don't think i'll be able to at least not until they're used but uh i i definitely would buy one of these for sure and for myself not at this point but that's more based on my vehicle needs and my family situation right now it's just not the type of vehicle i'd be in the market for however i really enjoy it as a concept and think it'll work well for most people Yep, so I guess, Rich, that uh, takes us back to you. You get anything? Uh, yeah, I got one more here. And this is actually called the Recon Empire EVS. Now, I actually sent you guys a picture of this. And this is a paintball um, face mask um, made by Recon and Empire in association or with help from Intel. And basically what it is, is it's a uh, full face mask that goes over your entire face that's uh, radiation uh, proof or uh, radiation resistant as well as anti-fog. So it's not going to fog up on you. And in the lower right hand corner, um, it actually has a heads up display. It has nine access sensors uh, as well as Bluetooth, Wi-Fi and GPS comes with an armband control unit to be able to go through different menus, zoom in and out of maps, as well as track friends that you're playing with. So imagine you're playing, you know, paintball out on this, uh, out at a farm or something, and you've got all these different things that you can hide in and around. You could be tracking your friends, whether they be your allies or your enemies, if you allow tracking for your enemies, which I guess would be pretty dumb. That would be stupid. Um, yeah. 
Although it would be kind of like very gamish, right? Because in in games you get to see a little radar. Like maybe it's only you can you can set it so that it only shows where they are when they come within like fifteen feet of you or something. Or your allies, if you all look the same with these helmets. Yeah. Well, the thing that I was thinking too is um, if you can possibly hook up, say, a Bluetooth. Uh, everybody joins a group call. Yeah, or something like that. So these things. exactly. So it'll feel really kind of militaryish and fun, right? Um, but it also happens to work with a streaming GoPro camera, hence the Wi-Fi. The GoPro camera can hook up to the uh, heads-up display Wi-Fi, and if you mount your GoPro on, say, I don't know, the tip of your gun or on where the scope of your gun would be, you can now take your um, gun and point it around corners or in different areas and spaces so that you don't have to expose yourself but you can still see if there's anybody around so this just seemed totally awesome a Uh, a paintball game where you don't get to expose yourself just doesn't sound fun to me but go on I've I haven't actually gone paintballing. I know a lot of people that do like to go paintballing, and I would love to go one day. I've just never gotten the chance. Don't know where to go and whatnot. I would but love to try this too. If if I was going to go paintballing, I would definitely get this. Um, Chris, well, you sound like you're a paintballer. What are your thoughts on this? I'm very excited. Not I haven't gone recently, but I do have a number of uh, friends in the area that. Uh, have been avid paintballers, and I have gone in this area, and trust me, we can get you out easily enough. Um, I actually think this this would be very, very handy. Uh, some of the hardcore paintballers really do spend a lot of time and put a pile of money into their stuff. Like, there's guys wandering around with $5,000 of equipment on them already. Shit. So adding this extra layer of stuff would be very, very interesting, and it really does make sense because this is some of the areas that are really lacking when you're playing a game. And out of all the equipment that's out there, normally the one that actually has the biggest problems for various reasons, whether it's just something simple like fogging or ill-fit or a number of reasons, ends up being the mask. So... Having a tech upgrade here, I think, would really be handy. So, and the yeah. fact, yeah, and while you're, uh, if you're particularly dominating the field, then you can, like, with this helmet on, you can be going, like, around the world, around the world, around the world, around the world. Yes, it does yeah. look like a Daft Punk mask. We, we get it. Uh, okay. Do it. Another Work thing, it. too, makes us better. <laughs> I'll keep going. <laughs> okay. Now, another thing, too, is a lot of the games that are played, I mean, the most common type is done large team against large team. It's normally a capture the flag type scenario or just, you know, last man standing type thing. But you're normally one or uh, you're there's normally two or three teams playing at a time. Now, in a situation like this, you might be able to invest as a group and say only have one person with this technology and have that person, you know, scouting out and calling out commands to other teams and make them more of a, if the cost is prohibitive, of course, you could have them basically as your uh, intelligence hub and just allow them to uh, call out details to the rest of their teammates. Oh, like a base commander. Cool. Basically, yes. And if you could hook your GoPro, say, onto a drone, then you'd be able to get a bird's eye view of the field as you're playing on it. And you can upload your own maps to the device as well so that you can look at the map and see because of the GPS, you'll be able to see where you are on the map. It's not just going to be like, I don't think it's... um, well, it is running Android. It did say it's running Android, so it might actually be running Google Maps on there. That would be a great element to add to it, where you can just like shoot down the drone to, uh, or at least put paint on the uh, shield, so to to uh, reduce its effectiveness. So, like, you can disable your enemy's intelligence network as well as uh, taking out enemy soldiers. It can really elevate the. Uh, I mean, like, if you could put a paintball gun on a drone. You can have like a little uh, swooping in airstrike that you can unlock if you get like a certain amount of points in the field. 
like really elevate the Call of Duty aspect with uh, Wow, you're really taking this to another level. This is kind of cool. Uh, is it, are they bad ideas? No, I'm saying that well, that would be actually pretty awesome. Well, I'm going to poke some holes in it would be, but I'm going to poke some holes in it. Um, mostly because, first of all, uh, most drones would just be barred from the, ba- uh, from the field. Uh, it would probably just be deemed uh, illegal play and not allowed to be used. But more importantly, most people wouldn't want to use one because these paintballs actually pack quite a punch. And I don't think anybody with the amount of money needed for the drones really wants to risk losing it in a stupid paintball battle. Well, no, That's you'd make them paintball. However... You can make them paintball resistant, but yeah, uh, just but... make the only exposed part the uh, the camera with a uh, plastic glass over it, so that you can take the shot and you know essentially blind out your enemy without actually destroying the property. Well, I'm thinking lower tech solution, which would make sense if you have a general area where your enemy is because of your tracking. Now you can properly use your paintball grenades which do exist by the way they're what? they're thrown grenades that do explode in little clusters however they're not that common because for the most part they're overly expensive and not entirely reliable you throw it in the wrong area it does nothing huh. however if, if you can narrow down where the enemy is and they're behind a barricade or something, now all of a sudden you might have options. You know exactly where to lob your grenade. What you need to do is get uh, one of those uh, paintball grenades with an, uh, what are they called, Al- altimeter? Altometer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that it knows before it hits the ground to explode. <laughs> oh, like a flak cannon for the drone. <laughs> yeah. But the drone, yeah, no, the drone, it just, I wouldn't even risk the, even if you put something over it, like if the, if the velocity of the paintball itself even just messed up the flight plan of the drone, that could drop out of the sky or something, unless you're flying it high enough. Plus you're normally in a wooded area and things yeah. like that. There's the occasional open field, but most of the time you're playing in the forest. So, but either way, this is a, uh, this is some pretty cool technology. And uh, I would definitely love to get a hold of this. And I mean, it'd be kind of cool to see if the some paintball places actually maybe started buying these and renting them out to people as well as equipment. So, you know, when you go to play paintball at a place, you know, you pay whatever it is, like five or ten dollars for a couple hundred paintballs or a thousand paintballs or whatever it is. And twenty dollars to use their paintball gun and, you know, five bucks for per CO2 can or something. And maybe you pay, you know, fifty dollars with a X amount of down payment or uh, sorry, um, what's it called? Not down. What's a uh, deposit? You pay X amount deposit and then you get to use this for your time. If you break it, you bought it. But, you know, that'd be really cool. I was just wondering what other applications a helmet with this type of uh, hardware in it would be good for. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the military. Yeah. Although they probably already had this for a long time. Yes, but your homemade game of the deadliest game. You could always use a tech upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> if you're just like, yeah, you you strap these devices on people's heads with a little uh, with a little bomb collar so that like they can't take them off, and you get to hunt them down in your mansion, and you know exactly where they're hiding, and then you can then you can just like freak them out and be like, I know where you are. Yeah, as you do. And speaking of drones, we've talked about uh, you know putting them in the uh, mil- putting them in the paintball or the. Uh, the lift turning your car into a drone well how about something that can actually give you a lift we now see the e-hang 184 it can fly to heights of 11,000 feet without a pilot manning it and uh it's a one passenger drone that basically if you have access to the roof of your building or whatever and you're just like well i don't want to drive or like traffic is a mother well now you can call this thing, and it will show up. It's 440 pounds, and it would it says it will be an extremely safe ride. So hopefully that means it comes with a couple of parachutes, huh. <laughs> because you know you don't want to be around when it's just like, uh, guess what? Uh, you know you use the you use too much Wi-Fi and GPS, and now the battery's dead. <laughs> and guess what? So are you. <laughs> How long does it say? How long the battery lasts for? It says that uh, the cabin includes air conditioning, a reading light, 
but you shouldn't get too cozy because the 142 horsepower electric motor which provides an average speed of 62 miles an hour can travel just 20 miles on a single charge now this is great if you want to get from one end of like new york to another although i imagine that will get pretty crowded like especially with all the people there who need to get around and don't see the point of owning a car considering traffic is a bitch well, but if you the, could have a like a taxi company with with these like quote unquote of, taxi company, yeah, yeah, yeah and have certain things. certain spots that you can get picked up at that are legal for them to have these, have them at a certain height that is legal for them to to fly at. If they could make this into a network, and actually that'd be great. You absolutely definitely need to be able to clear this with uh, the FAA. But they're yeah. probably unlikely to allow these flying machines to operate in their country's airspace. So, you know, the U.S. will probably be the last people to uh, enjoy these things because there are always going to be a bunch of assholes who will either abuse it or will fear it being abused and not allow it. But uh, I imagine that only someone like Trump or uh, Richard Branson could, or Elon Musk could afford to uh, start a company with a fleet of these things because their price tags are uh, between two hundred and three hundred thousand dollars each. Wow! So again, you would already cool, have though. to be rich to make money off these things. You know what? I'm just I'm just picturing uh, pulling out my phone, clicking a button, and ten minutes later getting into this thing and having it go. Hello and welcome to Air Uber. Where is your destination? Or you can just pre you can just pretend you're Sean Connery and you're but like. No, it's it's got to be in Elizabeth Hurley's voice, right, Chris? Well, that's that's pretty awesome. So, yep. So that's uh that's the drone. Yeah. No, thank you. You don't like just, you don't like the sounds of this? Oh, I love the sounds of it. I just I don't think I would feel overly comfortable taking one. If they just could come too up many with a, too many potential problems. If they could come up with a two-person one or something, it'd be fun to like say take your your special friend out on a little tour of the right. city or something, you know, kind of like a helicopter ride, but it would probably be a lot cheaper than a helicopter ride because it's electric. So you're not actually wasting any fuel. So the only thing that you'd be paying for is, you know, oh, the time and helping them pay back the thing. And then maybe, you know, signing a million waivers to say that if this goes wrong or that goes wrong or this goes wrong. <laughs> Everything's great. You're running this from an Android device. All of a sudden, oh, you got hacked. No, oh, well, there's that, but I was thinking, you know, something even a little bit uh, simpler. Oh, look, here's a patch that's coming through that's automatically downloading, and it's shutting down your system. Your battery on your phone just died. This requires a restart to update. Your compliance is not a factor. Yeah. You know, then there's other little issues. You know, some kid with a kite, you know, well, flock it of birds. it flies up to 11,000 feet, Chris. I don't think there's going to be a freaking kite up that high. Okay, are you getting out at 11,000 feet? Then it's going to fly a little bit lower at one point. <laughs> That's a good point, but you can just drive around the kid with the. You can use the eject. You can use the eject button to just drop out of it, and then. Uh... Or you can use your paintball gun to shoot him in the face and tell him to screw off and get away from your drone. Or just really oh, mess up shocking. his view. Google Maps wasn't quite accurate or up to date. My expected landing area is not actually a landing area. It's under construction. Oh, oh that's <laughs> Apple Splat. Maps. That's Apple Maps. Central Park, now taking you to the big Hudson River. <laughs> and you're now at a battery. <laughs> you had 20 minutes, you don't have time to turn back. Yeah, great. Oh, I, it's still pretty cool, though. They would have to have, like, a parachute installed into the seat. So, you know, worst case scenario, you just drop out of it and uh, the parachute deploys. Now, are we taking bets on which country and or city is going to be employing these first? I, I'm thinking, I was thinking uh, eh, they're a little touchy. I, I was thinking it has to be either Tokyo or Seoul. No, it's Abu Dhabi. Come on, man. It's got to be Abu Dhabi. It's got to be a place with an expendable population. Abu Dhabi. No. <laughs> Bangkok? Island? Paris? Well, uh, I've, got one, I've got one more uh, article now. Uh, Rich, you were talking before how Apple is talking about doing away with uh, or considering doing away with the 3.5mm uh, headphone jack. I believe that was Ben, actually, but yes. All right, well, somebody. One of my producers. So, uh, well, there's an answer to that with 
the uh, Audes Zine headphones with the Cypher cable. Now, Audes has been uh, well-established as one of the best makers of audiophile-grade headphones in the world. However, the company's massive planar magnetic headphones, such as the LCD3, are known not only for their vivid sound and achingly accurate instrumental reproduction, but also known for being cumbersome, not to mention prohibitively expensive. Last year, the company changed its tune with the EL8 $700 pair of cans. That's more in line with something you'd use outside of a studio. This year, they've taken that idea a few, step further, a few steps further with the brilliant new Scene On-Ear, a sophisticated set of cans that can bridge the gap between everyday listening and audiophile nirvana. Now, uh, the cool thing about it is that it also has the Cypher Lightning Cable, which essentially changes the game when it comes to how you plug in your iOS device by offering 24-bit, 48 kilohertz resolution. The cable was first introduced in the updated EL8, dubbed the EL8 Titanium, but Audis surprised people here by showing a new version of Cypher designed for the Sign headphones. This self-contained DAC, that's Digital to Audio Converter, and an amplification system rolled into a cable will likely be for sale. And given that the ELA Titaniums are $100 more, we're expecting the cable to sell for somewhere around that price point. So it's a thick cable because it has a digital, con a digital audio converter in the middle of it, and it's a lightning cable. So uh, the headphones still come with the 3.5mm headphone, but if the uh, rumors are true that Apple plans to get rid of the analog inputs, this will be the brilliant solution for those... Uh, who are already engulfed in the Audes family, and it's a great reason to get down with the brand if you're new to it. So, amazing headphones and a uh, a lightning cable with a with the audio converter in. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Did you? I'm actually just uh, just looking for something. You just reminded me of something here. Um, have you guys seen the Sennheiser Orpheus? No. No. So this was just released at CES uh, 2016 as well, and uh, it is the world's most expensive pair of headphones. Mike, I actually kind of figured you'd be all over this, you and your uh, expensive oh, right. speakers. I did see this. So it's $55,000 for these headphones, Mike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it says... Uh, does, does it come with a flashlight on it? Or like, like what, what, what the hell? No, but the case itself, like, so basically the, it's plugged into this giant uh, base that is actually the base of the base is made out of marble. So you can all, free, all so of you the can dials. So you can free base while being all about that base. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's pretty small to free base off of, but, uh, well, but all base. I'm like, wow, how low can you go? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but, uh, so all of the... The bottom of the unit is all marble. All of the dials are marble. And when you turn it on, basically the headphones you can see through the top of it uh, through the glass. And the glass will slowly lift up and the headphones will come out at you. And then on top of that, a whole bunch of these little pods that I don't even know what they are pop up out of the top of it. And it's really freaking crazy. Like, it Damn. is just the coolest thing. I, I, I really must say that uh, people should go out there and watch the little video of this thing opening up because it is really cool. Um, but they say the the audio quality on them is like being there. The the uh, video that I, I saw, the guy was listening to um, an orchestra, I believe, and he said if he closed his eyes, it was exactly like being there. He's never heard audio quality that good in his entire life. And uh, for $55,000, that... That better be what you get. For $55,000, yeah. the orchestra will show up. <laughs> That's probably true, actually. Like, that is just uh, uh, mental. I can't... But I, worth I, got it? Like, I see a picture of it. It's got like a... It looks like it comes like with a mixing table. That's that's what I'm some, saying. That's uh, marble all down at the bottom. Oh. Wow. I have yeah. to say, you put my last one to shame because mine I thought was expensive, but it turns out it's relatively cheap. And my piece of check is only $48,000. <laughs> and it's a new, from phase one, the XF100 megapixel digital camera. Now, 100 megapixels is by far the largest ever made. Um, right now, the largest one currently in active production is 50 megapixels. That's uh, one of the Canons. However, 
most people really don't have any need for anything above really five. Now, where the extra megapixels come in handy is for professional photographers doing very large landscapes or murals, things like that, where they need detail but blown up to a much higher degree. Now, because these things are so rare, and not many people are out there buying $50,000 cameras, you know, shockingly, they're basically hand-making each one and customizing every order so you can get everything uh, with the perfect specs for the project that you are doing. Now, there are other competitors in the field. Um, like, I don't remember whether it's uh, Canon or Nikon that has uh, a 250 megapixel sensor in development. Or actually, apparently they already have the patent and it is developed, but... Uh, most lenses and things like that can't even keep up to it, so they haven't bothered putting it on the market yet. Plus, the cost will just be insane. Oh, yeah, for sure. But even still, like they've taken it one step farther. Most, P, most, high, most of the highest-end cameras right now are in the 30-megapixel range, with the one exception of the 50. Well, they've already jumped the gun to 100 now. So this is by far the most powerful handheld camera that way on the market uh well we know who isn't using that nasa i mean they could they could definitely use something like this but they're too busy uh, scouring ebay for uh intel 8086 chips that went out of date in 1981 so like big wonder the space program failed i don't know what they spent their money on but it certainly wasn't their tech but uh this was definitely this is definitely a nice uh, a nice uh, development so uh rich were there any uh or Chris, were there any honorable mentions? Like one weird one. It's not even a huge development, but everybody's favorite toy from this fall, the BB-88, and even our friend uh, Chris Lockhart from uh, Geek Fallout Productions has one of these things. Well, it turns out there's a new controller for it that you can get. Uh, it's basically a smartwatch again, where. It doesn't connect to any other real device, but it does connect to your BB-88, and you can now control your BB with hand motions. If you want him to go left, you move your hand to the left. You know, Simple little things, and your voice commands will now be active through your watch, so now you don't have to look like a knob and hold out your smartphone all day long. You, know, hmm. you can just have one basically attached to your wrist. Yay! <laughs> Well, yeah. Pretty cool. I was watching them demonstrate it actually at CES and they had stormtroopers there, uh, first of all. And then on top of that, when they were describing it, they were like, oh, you can have uh, you can use the force to control BB-8 now. And it showed the guy like basically trying to like force push, except because you're pushing your arm out, the BB-8 actually kind of flew away. And by fly, I mean, he he rolled. But uh, he actually uh, kind of looked like you were force pushing him, and it was pretty funny. <laughs> well, I just uh, saw something LG's rollable display. Uh, we've seen ammo, flexible ammo LEDs on curved TVs and smartphones like the Samsung Galaxy S6 Edge, but LG display took things to a whole new level when it showed off a screen that can be rolled up like a newspaper. So, cool. So now you can watch your news and uh, discipline your dog for pissing on the floor all at the same time. So... <laughs> it says this new display tech opens the door for form factors you can't even imagine right now. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure there's going to be like a porn equivalent where some guy uses uses this as a sheath to his uh, cyber partner. It's Christ, come on, man. <laughs> hey, where there's a will, there's a lay. And that's our coverage of the CES 2016. There's a uh, a couple. Uh, there'll be like other uh, oddities. That we may look at later, but those are the uh, the delicious highlights for this year, and that seems to wrap up this episode. So, uh, Chris, where can we find you? You can find me primarily at Geek Fallout on Twitter. Uh, sorry, wow, cut that. Primarily, you can listen to me at on the main Geek Fallout show, and you can find me alias Ego on Twitter or Chris Guida on Facebook. Okay, and Rich, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Rich613 on Twitter for my personal account. I also am a, I try to get on at least once or twice a week minimum onto the Geek Fallout Twitter face, uh, Twitter face, 
onto the Geek Fallout Twitter account, and I also help to run the Geek Fallout Productions Facebook uh, page as well. So you can come by there and leave us some comments, post some stuff on our page, let us know what you think, and uh, yeah. And uh, you can find me on my other uh, podcast, the Playing With Power podcast. Uh, that's Twitter is the at GetThePower88. You can find my own uh, my own personal Twitter at KingMrStress. That's King M R Stress. And uh, you can also find me. I'll occasionally be checking out the uh, the comments section for our uh, releases, so you can probably get in touch with me there on the Facebook page for uh, the Geek Fallout Productions. And uh, that seems to be uh, it for this week. So uh, our guest has been Chris. Our hosts have been Richard and myself. Hope you enjoyed our, uh, our coverage and our opinions. And it is now safe to turn off your device. Drop it.